Gazette Newspapers presents the Parting Shots Podcast. Now here's your host, Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor, Ken Schott. Thank you, Scott Geezy, and welcome to this special edition of the Parting Shots Podcast, available wherever you get your podcast. Subscribe today. Thanks for joining me from the Parting Shots Podcast studio in Schenectady, New York. September 11th, 2001 is a day we will never forget. Terrorists flew two planes into the World Trade Center in New York City. Another plane crashed into the Pentagon in Washington, D.C. A fourth plane that was headed toward the White House was brought down by the brave passengers of Flight 93 in Pennsylvania. Nearly 3,000 lives were lost that day, some with ties to the Capital Region. On Thursday, the Daily Gazette will publish a special edition looking back at that tragic day. There will be interviews with family members who lost loved ones. There will also be interviews with several political leaders at the time to get their perspective. I'll talk with Gazette editor Miles Reed about producing this special section in a few minutes. First, I recently spoke with Jeff Wilkin, the longtime reporter for the Daily Gazette, who has been writing stories for the section. Well, Jeff, welcome to, to the Parting Shots podcast, and I'm glad you're uh, able to you know, chat with us about the, uh, the 9-11 uh, section we're doing. Well, thanks for having me, Ken. Uh, this is something that I think is pretty important. I mean, newspapers do important work every day. Um, it's good for us to remember, and it's good for us to mark this occasion, which is what we're doing with our upcoming uh, September 11th uh, coverage. Yeah. What do you remember about uh, what were you doing 20 years ago today, uh, or 20 years ago on the September 11th? Uh, you know, was this your coming in for a normal work day? Yeah, Kenny, it's uh, it's funny. It uh, it kind of runs like a movie in my mind. I, all the details are still pretty clear. It's a deal where, uh, again, I started with the Gazette back in 1981. So I was here a bunch of years by the time this thing happened. I. My routine was to get ready for work. I was on the Lifestyles staff then, and it was a deal where we worked an earlier shift. Shift. Most of the reporters were not in yet. I used to get up and uh, take a shower, get out of, uh, get into the car around nine o'clock, and get into the paper about nine thirty. On this day, like every other day, though, I used to listen to Howard Stern on the way in, the old shock jock, and for some reason, I just drove in silence that day. I just didn't put Howard on. I got into the uh, paper, the parking lot. I saw a woman hunched over her steering wheel like she was listening to the radio. And I thought she's probably listening to Howard finish up one of his bits. But it wasn't. I got into the newsroom and some of the advertising guys were already huddled around our small newsroom TV set. And that always meant some kind of a big news day when we had people around the TV set. I asked uh, Judy Patrick, one of our reporters at the time, I go, what's happening? She goes, we're under attack with no small alarm in her voice. And uh, that started started my day. Um, what, was it, what was it like uh, trying, you know, shifting from your lifestyles to being a, a news reporter and, you know, tracking a story that was affected, affected the lives of many members of the Capital Region? Well, there was never any question, and I give uh, my editor at the time, Dick Bennett, credit for this. He knew that we all wanted to be working on this that day, and uh, everything I'd have been doing for Lifestyles was put on the back burner, and we were back in the news game. Uh, that's what I did. I, as soon as I heard about the attacks, I, I didn't know if we were on the street yet. I got into my car and I went down to the Amtrak station. It was the closest thing I could figure to go to. 
And the scene inside was frantic. There was one guy on staff, and he was frantic. He was answering the phone, which would not stop ringing, because people whose family members, friends, had boarded trains for New York City that morning, they were in a panic. They didn't know what had happened to their friends. They didn't know if the trains had been attacked. So we did that for a while. Mark Schultz and I later teamed up, our photographer, and we motored down to Albany. We heard some of the uh, buildings down there were being evacuated. So down to Albany we went. And uh, one thing I remember about that, Kenny, is that on the throughway, Mark had a pretty fast car, <laughs> an Acura uh, RSX, I think it was. And we were uh, heading down to Albany, and a, a fire truck passed us, and it was moving. Uh, I kind of think it was from Stratton Air National Guard Base, and we never saw an Air, Air Guard Base uh, fire rig outside of the base. But they were going to New York City or they were going to Albany. I'm not sure what, but they were moving. Yeah. Now, you had a, you're doing some stories for this uh, special section. You've talked to a number of uh, public officials and dignitaries. Uh, talk about uh, who you've talked to and what they remember about that. Well... My thing on this thing is uh, is chiefly been the reader participation angle, Ken. Mm-hmm. We've done these things before. Uh, we did it when the uh, moon landing happened in 1969. We had people remember that on the big anniversary. Yeah. We've done the JFK assassinations, uh, Bobby Kennedy, Martin Luther King, uh, big events. The John Lennon uh, shooting last uh, last December we did. But this one in particular, I think, is, is important because we are getting people's stories that have really never been told publicly before. We've got stories from folks that, uh, we had one couple from Niskayuna, uh, Thomas and Catherine Miller. They're on a plane uh, that started in Frankfurt, Germany, coming back to JFK. All of a sudden that morning, their plane takes a sharp turn to the left. They're going north. And the uh, pilot comes on and says, Air traffic has been closed in the United States. Uh, there's been some sort of terrorist attack. We've been diverted to Nova Scotia. And their story is all about this adventure they had in Nova Scotia. We have uh, a guy named Mike Collins from Scotia, who's a uh, former state police aviation unit guy. Uh, they were placed into uh, UE helicopters, and they were involved in the rescue mission, which later became a recovery mission, flying ferries to uh, New York City in, in that area. Uh, we've got a woman named Lenora Paul, and uh, uh, she's written a little bit about how uh, she was working in New York City in Manhattan, uh, doing some kind of a housekeeping business, and all of a sudden, she's got to find a way out of Manhattan. She's one of these people that's covered in dust, trying to walk out of Manhattan that day. We've got a good 30 stories, Kenny. Some are long, some are short, but they are important stories to have. Because historians, uh, 80 years from now, when they're looking back at this thing uh, for the 100th anniversary, will want to have these stories that we're going to be sharing with our readers come Thursday. And uh, you had a, a story about with Kay Canty, the mother of uh, Michael Canty, who was killed in the attacks. Yep. Uh, her recollection of it, what, uh, what does she remember? And has the pain subsided at all? Well, she says it's always there, and I think that's something that anybody would say. The pain is always there about what has happened, and uh, she she mentions that things do get better, and she's a member of a, a big, big family, big, large family, the Canty family, and they uh, have stuck together through this thing. She mentioned that uh, she went down to the uh, the memorial. The, mor- the memorial has the, uh, the names of all the people that perished that day at the World Trade Center. And she went through the museum, too. 
and I was struck by her museum visit. She says, that was kind of tough to get through because it was like living through the whole day again. And she said she really didn't need to do that because they've got a lot of the uh, old fire engines down there in the museum and things like that. It must look like a, a snapshot of time. But no, they, they, she was very good. Uh, what has happened is that the Candy family has, uh, has memorialized Mike, their son, with a memorial fund. This is a deal where they've raised money and it goes to kids from Schenectady High School that are uh, looking for a little scholarship help. Um, and they, they've assisted these kids. They've assisted, uh, I think it's about 20 kids by now. And they've done, a, they've done something. They did the Canty Fun Run. It was a memorial run in Mike's name. And I kidded with her. I said, boy, I thought you were to do a 20th anniversary run. Or maybe, maybe they'll certainly do it for the 25th. Yeah. I mean, what was Michael like? What, remember what she uh, talked to and talked Sure. About, She's about. talked about how he had his father's wit. Ed Canty was the dad and a very witty fellow. He was laid back. Uh, he had a dog. He was engaged to be married. And they said he had bunches of friends. Uh, this was from my earlier interview. I remembered that I talked to them in 2011 to the Canty family. And they had to go to a birthday party for Mike down in New York City. And uh, there were like 90 people that showed up for this thing. So their friend, uh, their son made friends easily. And uh, he kept his friends. Yeah, he was a commodities trader down in New York City. And he was in the, uh, the first tower that was hit. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they did have some closure, though, that some people didn't have because they found Mike's body sometime later, and they were able to bring him back home, and he's, uh, he's buried in Schenectady. Yeah. You also had a chance to speak with uh, some of our former colleagues from the Gazette. Uh, yeah, it was probably in a good way catching up with them, but you know, with the memories, what, what, what were some of those memories like? Well, them? that's a, a story that's just sort of got bigger and bigger, Ken. It's, uh, and I think readers will get a... Get a they'll have a real interest in this story because it sure it tells us what we did that day with the numbers we had there was 39 total stories 16 of them were locally produced local bylines and uh talking with the people that were involved like bill hammond uh who was our state reporter that, at the time and judy patrick and uh oh dave rogowski one of our photographers it's really kind of a behind the scenes look at what was happening in our newspaper that day and how we tackled this large story. For my part though, uh, again, I worked here for 39 years before I retired full-time and uh, retired from full-time work last year, but I think as a newsroom, Ken, the way we, we responded to that event was our finest hour. Yeah. Um, I mean, Todd Wynn was the managing editor at the time and uh, what was his, what was his, what does he remember the most? Would be Obviously, they had to change, he was, you know, help put this section together uh, back in uh, that, that's that fateful day uh, in 2001. So I imagine, yeah, they got to go from thinking about, you know, what's going on in Schenectady Council, City Council, yep. the mayor, and now all of a sudden they're just focused on one thing. Yeah, well, that was a deal where we, um, it helped in a way, Ken, because, way, well, you know, newspapers have changed. Our staffs are much smaller now. Uh, back then, we had a full complement of editors on both the day side and the night side. Again, we had all those reporters. But uh, Mr. Woodman uh, was one of the guys that was directing coverage. So was George Walsh. So were a bunch of other people. George was our day city editor. But it was a deal where, like myself, uh, Tom shared the thought that uh, it was a very tough day for us to, to be working, but we responded the way we were trained as journalists to, uh, to cover the news 
and cover to the best of our ability. And I look back at that newspaper, and I think a lot of us saved it. A lot of residents saved it and probably bought extra copies. And we did a, a really good job journalistically that day. How proud of you to be participating in this special section? Well, as I said before, and what I've, what I've mentioned before, I guess, Ken, is that this is important for future generations. And I expect we'll be doing this another five years down the road for the 25th, the 30th, the 35th. It's important for us to, to remember this and to, again, I'm really high on these reader stories because they've never been told outside their families before. And it's good for us to have these down as a public record. Uh, this is a good package. And, you know, these big events are things that have to re be remembered. For the longest time, Ken, we had to do something locally on Pearl Harbor Day on December 7th, uh, the anniversary of the 1941 attacks. Just about all those people are gone now, mm -hmm. but we still, to this day, have to have something in the paper to remember Pearl Harbor or we will get phone calls. Yeah. You know, it's going to be uh, yeah, it's going to be a tough day for everybody you know, with the anniversary coming up. But uh, it's it's a great piece of you know journalism that we're doing this and uh, just not really trying to toot our own horn. But uh, no. it's, this is the one, one thing that newspapers can do that you can't really do on the internet. Just you know, this is what we do best, I think. And then uh, I mean, we have all this internet stuff now, but uh, to be able to publish something like this and it's a keepsake. For people, um, a tough keepsake, mind you, but uh, it's it's what papers, newspapers do best, which I don't think anybody else, other right. media, other media can do. No, I couldn't agree more, especially because that day, well, September twelfth, our September twelfth paper, people delivered, had it delivered, or went out and bought a copy. I think a lot of those people bought an extra copy that day, and I know this paper. It hasn't been recycled. This is something that is stored away, not in a scrapbook as much, but probably a special envelope for future generations of a family to read. And like I say all the time to people that sometimes visit the paper, uh, take a little tour, and when you touch a newspaper, say one that was published on September 12th, 2001, you are in a way touching that era. It is like touching the past. It's a real connection to history. Yeah. And the photos that came out of that day, disturbing as they were, and just, it just it, it, the images are just burning in memory forever. That is part of it. Yeah. And, well, the Internet, too, Ken, because yeah. I think so many people, when the Internet, they had those film clips of these planes crashing in. Obviously, you can see them today, and you'll be able to see them 80 years from now. Yeah. Those, those images are here to stay forever. Yeah. Well, Jeff, I appreciate uh, you joining me here on the podcast to talk about the, the special section we're doing, and uh, uh, thanks a lot. Thanks for having me, Ken. Now joining me on the podcast is Gazette editor Miles Reed. Miles, uh, welcome to the podcast. Ken, it's a pleasure to be here with you. Well, I appreciate you taking some time out of your day here. Uh, what are you? What were you doing on that uh, September 11, 2001? You know, I remember distinctly, my uh, oldest child had just been born a few months earlier, and we'd been in northern Vermont the day before, the weekend before, at a wedding, and we came back to town, and I was just uh, heading back to work after having four days off, and I was dropping my daughter off at my in-law's house, and I saw the first uh, plane into the, the building, and it felt at the time, it was just sort of puzzling, like, what's this? Uh, and I sort of dismissed it and said, oh, you know, hopefully it was just an accident. And by the time I uh, finished my commute to work, 
um, down in Schenectady, the second plane had hit, and the rest of the world sort of just changed dramatically in the ensuing hours and uh, days. Now, you at that time, you were a reporter, correct? You know, I was an editor. I was pretty early in my editing career, mm-hmm. and so I was here during the day, um, and, and I was, uh, you know, here to decide, as we as a group decided exactly how to uh, cover this huge story that we knew was unfolding quickly. Yeah, what was those? What were those meetings like? I mean, with Tom Woodman at the time, uh, what 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 were those meetings like? All of a sudden, you you know, go from planning a normal day to, to planning this. It was radically different, I would say, than just about any other day that I can remember in circles and newspapers. And that, you know, there was a sort of a silence and a, a very somber. Um, stayed mood in the newsroom a lot of times even in really dramatic stories with uh, all kinds of stories that we've covered over the years a newsroom can be really quite loud and boisterous and energized when big news is breaking on that day in particular there was a huge focus on making sure we did the right thing but it was different than anything else i can remember now as i mentioned we're talking about this special section that's coming out on thursday what was the genesis of uh, producing this section? We knew that we wanted to do something for the 20th anniversary, and we also knew that there was going to be this sort of onslaught, this flood of media coverage of the 20th anniversary. And so, you know, we, we had to sort of grapple with that and decide, is it, you know, is it important to go and do a big big package on it and a big coverage? And we decided it was. And the reason being, uh, while we understand that for some people, you know, coverage of this is dredging up old traumas. We also recognize that equally as important is that everybody seems to want to tell a story, whether it's to their private therapist or just to a friend or a, an acquaintance. People want to talk about it, and people want to talk about it because for a lot of people, I think uh, life changed markedly on that day. And so what we did, the, the bulk of our coverage is we talked, we reached out to readers in the Gazette coverage area, and we said, we want to hear your stories. We want to hear what you experienced that day and how it affected your life profoundly. And we received a lot of really um, just traumatic and heartfelt remembrances of that day. And so this section, while it has a number of stories talking to public officials and talking to various individuals, religious leaders, etc., there's also a big component where readers, in their words, talk about what it meant for them. Yeah. And I know that you know we had Jeff Wilkin on earlier. I know Bill Buell's been involved. This is the, the, the dedication of the reporters working on this section. Yeah, I mean, how proud are you are of the, you know, the, the work that's been put into this? You know, Jeff uh, and Bill have been around for a long time. They understand this community better than any journalist I know. Um, and while they're both retired officially, they help out and they do certain things. And in this project, they both were, you know, really embedded in the community when this happened. Um, and Jeff Wilkin especially, he was part of the team covering it. And so the two of them used all of their journalistic skills and helped round out this package of stories talking to public officials religious leaders and as i said the readers uh and they just did an excellent job i think i think it really reflects where our community stands now 20 years later yeah i mean i i recall and i really haven't really talked about this much i didn't talk about this with jeff until after the interview but i remember i was covering the albany colony diamond dogs at the time and they in the northeast league and they've had a playoff series down at uh new jersey jackals in montclair's 
uh, state. And I remember driving down for Game Three of that series, and driving down Route Three of uh, in New Jersey, and then seeing the towers there, and thinking, and then I left, you know, come home back on Saturday, and never thinking that I would never see the towers again. You know, it's, it's so interesting you raise that, uh, Ken, that memory for you. That's the kind of thing that so many people in our area, that the kind of memories they have, because the reality is that a lot of our capital region folks either commute to New York City and Manhattan, or they have a relative who does that, or like you, they go on business trips to northern New Jersey or somewhere in that New Jersey uh New York City area, or they fly out of JFK Airport. So, so many of us, whether it was going to the Statue of Liberty or whatever, have seen these Twin Towers going up. And so, it was traumatic, and it was such a massive loss. Yeah. So, uh, as far as how many pages will the section be, uh, you think? Sure. So, it's a 40-page section, and it's going to be inserted in the paper on Thursday. Our, our idea there is it gives readers a couple of days leading up to the anniversary to read these. We think it's a kind of section where people will be able to set it aside and maybe read it, maybe not at their desk at work or at the kitchen table, but just in their own time, in their own space. And I, I think that the pieces will be very moving. I know myself, as I edited them, some of them were really really moving um and it made me think about all kinds of uh elements of this and how it affected my life you know that's the thing is it's really i think it's one of these very personal reactions when you read other people's uh remembrances and their reactions it helps you also you know do a little bit of self um analysis or 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 self-addressing like how you're uh distilling this memory yeah well, Miles, I do appreciate a few minutes to talk about this, and uh, looking forward to seeing this uh, section that uh, uh, you're editing, and Jeff and Bill have uh, done a great job with it. And, I mean, it's one of those, I think, it's it's a tough section to do, considering it's a you know, tragic situation, but I think it, it'll, it'll be wonderful just to read the, the, the thoughts of the uh, people and the readers and uh, what everybody has to say uh, about their remembrances. Thank you, Kenny. That's Miles Reed, the editor of the Daily Gazette. And that'll wrap up this special edition of the uh, Parting Shots podcast. I'd also like to thank Jeff Wilkin for coming on the show. If you have questions or comments about the podcast, email them to me at shot, that's S-C-H-O-T-T, at dailygazette.com. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Slapshots. The views expressed on the Parting Shots podcast are not necessarily those of Gazette newspapers. Parting Shots podcast is a production of Gazette Newspapers. I'm Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor Ken Schott. Thank you for listening, and I'll catch you next time.